Part four of The Affair at the Semiramis Hotel by A. E. W. Mason. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part four. She gave, so far as she could remember, the names of such guests and singers as she knew at that party, and that is all, she said. Thank you, said Hanaud. It is perhaps a good deal, but it is perhaps nothing at all. You will let me hear from you, she cried as she rose to her feet miss carew i am at your service he returned she gave him her hand timidly and he took it cordially for mr ricardo she had merely a bow a bow which recognized that he distrusted her and that she had no right to be offended then she went and hanaud smiled across the table at ricardo yes he said all that you are thinking is true enough a man who slips out of society to indulge a passion for a drug in greater peace a girl who on her own confession tried to steal and to crown all this fantastic story it is natural to disbelieve every word of it but we disbelieved before when we left caladine's lodging in the adelphi and we were wrong let us be warned you have an idea exclaimed ricardo perhaps said hanaud and he looked down the theatre column of the times let us distract ourselves by going to the theatre you are the most irritating man mr ricardo broke out impulsively if i had to paint your portrait i should paint you with your finger against the side of your nose saying mysteriously i know when you know nothing at all hanaud made a schoolboy's grimace we will go and sit in your box at the opera to-night he said and you shall explain to me all through the beautiful music the theory of the tonic sofa they reached covent garden before the curtain rose mr ricardo's box was on the lowest tier and next to the omnibus box we are near the stage said hanaud as he took his seat in the corner and so arranged the curtain that he could see and yet was hidden from view i like that the theatre was full stalls and boxes shimmered with jewels and satin and all that was famous that season for beauty and distinction had made its tryst there that night yes this is wonderful said hanaud what opera do they play he glanced at his programme and cried with a little start of surprise we are in luck it is the jewels of the madonna do you believe in omens mr ricardo asked coldly he had not yet recovered from his rebuff of the afternoon no but i believe that carmen valeri is at her best in this part said hanaud mr ricardo belonged to that body of critics which must needs spoil your enjoyment by comparisons and recollections of other great artists he was at a disadvantage certainly to-night for the opera was new but he did his best he imagined others in the part and when the great scene came at the end of the second act and carmen valeri on obtaining from her lover the jewel stolen from the sacred image gave such a display of passion as fairly enthralled that audience mr ricardo sighed quietly and patiently how calvet could have brought out the psychological value of that scene he murmured and he was quite vexed with hanaud who sat with his opera glasses held to his eyes and every sense apparently concentrated on the stage the curtains rose and rose again when the act was concluded and still hanaud sat motionless as the sphinx staring through his glasses that is all said ricardo when the curtain fell for the fifth time they will come out said hanaud wait 
and from between the curtains carmen valeri was led out into the full glare of the footlights with the panoply of jewels flashing on her breast then at last hanaud put down his glasses and turned to ricardo with a look of exultation and genuine delight upon his face which filled that season-worn dilettante with envy what a night said hanaud what a wonderful night and he applauded until he split his gloves at the end of the opera he cried we will go and take supper at the semiramis yes my friend we will finish our evening like gallant gentlemen come let us not think of the morning and boisterously he slapped ricardo in the small of the back in spite of his boast however hanaud hardly touched his supper and he played with rather than drank his brandy and soda he had a little table to which he was accustomed beside a glass screen in the depths of the room and he sat with his back to the wall watching the groups which poured in suddenly his face lighted up here is carmen Bellari, he cried once more we are in luck is it not that she is beautiful mr ricardo turned languidly about in his chair and put up his eyeglass mm, so so he said ah returned hanaud then her companion will interest you still more for he is the man who murdered mrs blumenstein mr ricardo jumped so that his eyeglass fell down and tinkled on its cord against the buttons of his waistcoat what he exclaimed it's impossible he looked again certainly the man fits joan carew's description but he turned back to hanaud utterly astounded and as he looked at the frenchman all his earlier recollections of him of his swift deductions of the subtle imagination which his heavy body so well concealed crowded in upon ricardo and convinced him how long have you known he asked in a whisper of awe since ten o'clock to-night but you will have to find the necklace before you can prove it the necklace said hanaud carelessly oh that is already found mr ricardo had been longing for a thrill he had it now he felt it in his very spine it's found he said in a startled whisper yes ricardo turned again with as much indifference as he could assume towards the couple who were settling down at their table the man with a surly indifference carmen valeri with the radiance of a woman who has just achieved a triumph and is now free to enjoy the fruits of it confusedly recollections returned to ricardo of questions put that afternoon by hanaud to joan carew subtle questions into which the name of carmen valeri was continually entering she was a woman of thirty certainly beautiful with a clear pale face and eyes like the night then she is implicated too he said what a change for her he thought from the stage of covent garden to the felon's cell from the gay supper-room of the semiramis with its bright frocks and its babble of laughter to the silence and the ignominious garb of the workrooms in Aylesbury prison she exclaimed hanaud and in his passion for the contrasts of drama ricardo was almost disappointed she has nothing whatever to do with it she knows nothing andre favat there yes but carmen valeri she's as stupid as an owl and loves him beyond words do you want to know how stupid she is you shall know i asked mr clements the director of the opera house to take supper with us and here he is hanaud stood up and shook hands with the director he was of the world of business rather than of art and long experience of the ways of tenors and prima donnas had given him a good-humoured cynicism 
they are spoilt children all tantrums and vanity he said and they would ruin you to keep a rival out of the theatre he told them anecdote upon anecdote and carmen valeri hanno asked in a pause is she troublesome this season has been replied clements dryly at present she is playing at being good but she gave me a turn some weeks ago he turned to ricardo superstition's her trouble and andre favart knows it she left him behind in america this spring america suddenly cried ricardo so suddenly that clements looked at him in surprise she was singing in new york of course during the winter he returned well she left him behind and i was shaking hands with myself when he began to deal the cards over there she came to me in a panic she had just had a cable she couldn't sing on friday night there was a black knave next to the nine of diamonds she couldn't sing for worlds and it was the first night of the jewels of the madonna imagine the fix i was in what did you do asked ricardo the only thing there was to do replied clements with a shrug of the shoulders i cabled father some money and he dealt the cards again she came to me a beaming oh she had been so distressed to put me in the cart but what could she do now there was a red queen next to the ace of hearts so she could sing without a scruple so long of course as she didn't pass a funeral on the way down to the opera house luckily she did not but my money brought father over here and now i'm living on a volcano for he's the greatest scoundrel unhung he never has a farthing however much she gives him he's a blackmailer he's a swindler he has no manners and no graces he looks like a butcher and treats her as if she were dirt he never goes near the opera except when she is singing in this part and she worships the ground he walks on well i suppose it's time to go the lights had been turned off the great room was emptying mr ricardo and his friends rose to go but at the door hanaud detained mr clements and they talked together alone for some little while greatly to mr ricardo's annoyance hanaud's good humour however when he rejoined his friend was enough for two i apologize my friend with my hand on my heart for it was for your sake that i stayed behind you have a meretricious taste for melodrama which i deeply deplore but which i mean to gratify i ought to leave for paris to-morrow but i shall not i shall stay until thursday and he skipped upon the pavement as they walked home to grosvenor square mr ricardo bubbled with questions but he knew his man he would get no answer to any one of them to-night so he worked out the problem for himself as he lay awake in his bed and he came down to breakfast next morning fatigued but triumphant hanaud was already chipping off the top of his egg at the table so i see you have found it all out my friend he said not all replied ricardo modestly and you will not mind i am sure if i follow the usual custom and wish you a good morning not at all said hanaud i am all for good manners myself he dipped his spoon into his egg but i'm longing to hear the line of your reasoning mr ricardo did not need much pressing joan carew saw andre favart at mrs stallingshield's party and saw him with carmen valeri for carmen valeri was there i remember that you asked joan for the names of the artists who sang and carmen valeri was amongst them hanaud nodded his head exactly no doubt joan carew noticed carmen valeri particularly and so took unconsciously into her mind an impression of the man who was with her andre favart of his build of his walk of his type 
again hannot agreed she forgets the man altogether but the picture remains latent in her mind an undeveloped film hannot looked up in surprise and the surprise flattered mr ricardo not for nothing had he tossed about in his bed for the greater part of the night then came the tragic night at the semiramis she does not consciously recognize her assailant but she dreams the scene again and again and by a process of unconscious cerebration the figure of the man becomes familiar finally she makes her debut is entertained at supper afterwards and meets once more common valeri yes for the first time since mrs starlingshield's party interjected hannot she dreams again she remembers asleep more than she remembers when awake the presence of carmen valeri at her supper party has its effect by a process of association she recalls favette and the mask slips on the face of her assailant some days later she goes to the opera she hears carmen valeri sing in the jewels of the madonna no doubt the passion of her acting which i am more prepared to acknowledge this morning than i was last night affects joan carew powerfully emotionally she goes to bed with her head full of carmen valeri and she dreams not of carmen valeri but of the man who is unconsciously associated with carmen valeri in her thoughts the mask vanishes altogether she sees her assailant now has his portrait limbed in her mind would know him if she met him in the street though she does not know by what means she identified him yes said hannot it is curious the brain working while the body sleeps the dream revealing what thought cannot recall mr ricardo was delighted he was taken seriously but of course he said i could not have worked the problem out but for you you knew of andre favet and the kind of man he was hannot laughed yes that is always my one little advantage i know all the cosmopolitan blackguards of europe his laughter ceased suddenly and he brought his clenched fist heavily down upon the table here is one of them who will be very well out of the world my friend he said very quietly but there was a look of force in his face and a hard light in his eyes which made mr ricardo shiver for a few moments there was silence then ricardo asked but have you evidence enough yes your two chief witnesses caladine and joan carew you said it yourself there are facts to discredit them will they be believed but they won't appear in the case at all hannot said wait wait and once more he smiled by the way what is the number of caladine's house ricardo gave it and hannot therefore wrote a letter it is all for your sake my friend he said with a chuckle nonsense said ricardo you have the spirit of the theatre in your bones well i shall not deny it said hannot and he sent out the letter to the nearest pillar-box mr ricardo waited in a fever of impatience until thursday came at breakfast hannot would talk of nothing but the news of the day at luncheon he was no better the affair of the semiramis hotel seemed a thousand miles from any of his thoughts but at five o'clock he said as he drank his tea you know of course that we go to the opera to-night yes do we yes your young friend caladine by the way will join us in your box that is very kind of him i am sure said mr ricardo the two men arrived before the rising of the curtain and in the crowded lobby a stranger spoke a few words to hannot but what he said ricardo could not hear they took their seats in the box and hannot looked at his programme 
ah it is il ballo de mascara tonight we always seem to hit upon something appropriate don't we then he raised his eyebrows oh do you see that our pretty young friend joan carew is singing in the role of the page it is a showy part there is a particular melody with a long sustained trill in it as far as i remember mr ricardo was not deceived by hanaud's apparent ignorance of the opera to be given that night and of the part joan carew was to take he was therefore not surprised when hanaud added by the way i should let caladine find it all out for himself mr ricardo nodded sagely yes that is wise i had thought of it myself but he had done nothing of the kind he was only aware that the elaborate stage management in which hanaud delighted was working out to the desired climax whatever that climax might be caladine entered the box a few minutes later and shook hands with them awkwardly it was kind of you to invite me he said and very ill at ease he took a seat between them and concentrated his attention on the house as it filled up there's the overture said hanaud the curtains divided and were festooned on either side of the stage the singers came on in their turn the page appeared to a burst of delicate applause joan carew had made a small name for herself that season and with a stifled cry caladine shot back in the box as if he had been struck even then mr ricardo did not understand he only realized that joan carew was looking extraordinarily trim and smart in her boy's dress he had to look from his program to the stage and back again several times before the reason of caladine's exclamation dawned on him when it did he was horrified hanaud in his craving for dramatic effects must have lost his head altogether joan carew was wearing from the ribbon in her hair to the scarlet heels of her buckled satin shoes the same dress as she had worn on the tragic night at the semiramis hotel he leaned forward in his agitation to hanaud you must be mad suppose fabat is in the theatre and sees her he'll be over on the continent by one in the morning no he won't replied hanaud for one thing he never comes to covent garden unless one opera with carmen valeri in the chief part is being played as you heard the other night at supper for a second thing he isn't in the house i know where he is he is gambling in dean street soho for a third thing my friend he couldn't leave by the nine o'clock train for the continent if he wanted to arrangements have been made for a fourth thing he wouldn't wish to he has really remarkable reasons for desiring to stay in london but he will come to the theatre later clements will send him an urgent message with the result that he will go straight to clements office meanwhile we can enjoy ourselves huh never was the difference between the amateur dilettante and the genuine professional more clearly exhibited than by the behaviour of the two men during the rest of the performance mr ricardo might have been sitting on a coal-fire from his jumps and twistings hanaud stolidly enjoyed the music and when joan carew sang her famous solo his hands clamoured for an encore louder than any one's in the boxes certainly whether excitement was keeping her up or no joan carew had never sung better in her life her voice was clear and fresh as a bird's a bird with a soul inspiring its song even caladine drew his chair forward again and sat with his eyes fixed upon the stage and quite carried out of himself 
he drew a deep breath at the end she is wonderful he said like a man waking up she is very good replied mr ricardo correcting calladine's transports we will go round to the back of the stage said hanaud they passed through the iron door and across the stage to a long corridor with a row of doors on one side there were two or three men standing about in evening dress as if waiting for friends in the dressing-rooms at the third door hanaud stopped and knocked the door was opened by joan carew still dressed in her green and gold her face was troubled her eyes afraid courage little one said hanaud and he slipped past her into the room it is as well that my ugly familiar face should not be seen too soon the door closed and one of the strangers loitered along the corridor and spoke to a call-boy the call-boy ran off for five minutes more mr ricardo waited with a beating heart he had the joy of a man in the centre of things all those people driving homewards in their motor-cars along the strand how he pitied them then at the end of the corridor he saw clements and andre favet they approached discussing the possibility of carmen valeri's appearance in london opera during the next season we have to look ahead my dear friend said clements and though i should be extremely sorry at that moment they were exactly opposite joan carew's door it opened she came out with a nervous movement she shut the door behind her at the sound andre favet turned and he saw drawn up against the panels of the door with a look of terror in her face the same gay figure which had interrupted him in mrs blumenstein's bedroom there was no need for joan to act in the presence of this man her fear was as real as it had been on the night of the semiramis ball she trembled from head to foot her eyes closed she seemed about to swoon favert stared and uttered an oath his face turned white he staggered back as if he had seen a ghost then he made a wild dash along the corridor and was seized and held by two of the men in evening dress favert recovered his wits he ceased to struggle what does this outrage mean he asked and one of the men drew a warrant and notebook from his pocket you are arrested for the murder of mrs blumenstein in the semiramis hotel he said and i have to warn you that anything you may say will be taken down and may be used in evidence against you preposterous exclaimed favert there's a mistake we will go along to the police and put it right where's your evidence against me hanaud stepped out of the doorway of the dressing-room in the property room of the theatre he said at the sight of him favet uttered a violent cry of rage you are here too are you he screamed and he sprang at hanaud's throat hanaud stepped lightly aside favet was borne down to the ground and when he stood up again the handcuffs were on his wrists favet was led away and hanaud turned to mr ricardo and clements let us go to the property room he said they passed along the corridor and ricardo noticed that calladine was no longer with them he turned and saw him standing outside joan carew's dressing-room he would like to come of course said ricardo would he said hanaud then why doesn't he he's quite grown up you know and he slipped his arm through ricardo's and led him back across the stage in the property-room there was already a detective in plain clothes mr ricardo had still not as yet guessed the truth what is it you really want sir the property-master asked of the director only the jewels of the madonna hanaud answered the property-master unlocked a cupboard and took from it the sparkling cuirass 
hanaud pointed to it and there lost amongst the huge glittering stones of paste and false pearls mrs blumenstein's necklace was entwined then that is why favart came always to covent garden when the jewels of the madonna was being performed exclaimed ricardo hanaud nodded he came to watch over his treasure ricardo was piecing together the sections of the puzzle no doubt he knew of the necklace in america no doubt he followed it to england hanaud agreed mrs blumenstein's jewels were quite famous in new york but to hide them here cried mr clements he must have been mad why asked hanaud can you imagine a safer hiding-place who's going to burgle the property room of covent garden who's going to look for a priceless string of pearls amongst the stage jewels of an opera-house you did said mr ricardo i replied hanaud shrugging his shoulders joan carew's dreams led me to andre favart the first time we came here and saw the pearls of the madonna i was on the lookout naturally i noticed favart at the back of the stalls but it was a stroke of luck that i noticed those pearls through my opera-glasses at the end of the second act cried ricardo suddenly i remember now yes replied hanaud but for that second act the pearls would have stayed comfortably here all through the season carmen valeri a fool as i told you would have tossed them about in her dressing-room without a notion of their value and at the end of july when the murder at the semiramis hotel had been forgotten favart would have taken them to amsterdam and made his bargain shall we go they left the theatre together and walked down to the grill-room of the semiramis but as hanaud looked through the glass door he drew back we will not go in i think eh why asked ricardo hanaud pointed to a table caladine and joan carew were seated at it taking their supper perhaps said hanaud with a smile perhaps my friend what who shall say that the rooms at the adelphi will not be given up they turned away from the hotel but hanaud was right and before the season was over mr ricardo had to put his hand in his pocket for a wedding present end of part four end of the affair at the semiramis hotel by a e w mason